The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I'm so pleased to have you with me on Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. This is a special time because tomorrow, Thanksgiving Day, will mark the first anniversary of the show. One year ago, I told you my own story, and in the years since, I've had the great privilege and honor to talk with 50 around 50 people who shared their stories of grief and transformation. I hope there will be many, many more to come. It's an amazing thing to have the conversations, these conversations every Wednesday and to know that thousands of you out there are listening and being inspired by the truly moving lives of my guests. I also want to mention that the Symington Foundation, which is dedicated to serving the cancer community, has just awarded me a grant to help support the cost of some of the shows I offer, which particularly address the needs of the cancer community. Of course, all my shows are relevant, uh, but some are specifically about cancer, so they're helping me to get those on the air. And stay tuned for ways I'm going to create to direct you to those particular shows and and also uh, any category of show that you'd like to hear. Also, please be in touch if you know people that I need to know. I want to meet people I've never met who have a story to tell about transformation. Today, I welcome Tom Sweetman, author of From Grief to Greatness, a collection of true stories and lessons on living life after loss. Tom wrote the book after the loss of his mother in 2012 from cancer. He realized that the average person is not prepared for the array of emotions that accompany loss, and he wrote the book as a way to help others struggling with similar situations. Through the stories of how others have gone from grief to greatness, the work offers hope and relatability to those experiencing grief and looking for inspiration to help them through this tough time kind of like my show. It offers a chance to turn pain into potential for those who know they have more to give to the world. Sweetman wants to offer relief to those feeling isolated after the loss of someone or something important in their lives. And you can find the book on Kindle and Tom at TomLetGo.com. Welcome, Tom. Thank you very much for having me, Cheryl. Absolutely. First of all, I want to thank you for your extreme dedication because I know it's five in the morning where you are. And uh, <laughs> just before we went on, we were hearing crickets. You know, It's basically <laughs> the middle of the night. So I'm really honored that you're willing to join me, especially at such an hour. No, that's absolutely fine. And like I say, it's, uh, it's, it's an honor to be on your show. And I really appreciate you having me. 
Absolutely. Um, your book is unusual in the sense that uh, it's really, in my mind, a collection of interviews. Yes? Yeah, is, um, yeah that's, that's correct, yeah. And, and so uh, what I found interesting about that was it was full of different voices. Uh, yeah. You know, each, each person you interviewed had a certain voice. How did you decide which questions to ask? Um, well, really, when, when I was, um, when I'd been going through my grief, um, I, I found that it was very shut off. And what I wanted to do really was, it was a way for me to connect with other people and to really just see, like, how were they experiencing grief? What had they learned? And I thought by doing it this way, I would learn more about the, about grief from many different angles and also be able to maybe, yeah, get insights that I wouldn't have seen or stuff that maybe I was ignoring or not dealing with myself. Um, so I thought if I asked the same questions, then I would get completely different answers and it would be very interesting because it would really help me on a deep level and also help other people who were to read it. You know, I did notice that, that you got different answers, of course, very individualized answers, and yet there was a commonality. Did you feel that when you were interviewing the people that you interviewed? Yeah, um, for, for me, one of the biggest commonalities um, behind everything was how everyone had removed things in their life that they realized wasn't as important. And the, the underneath, basically, the common theme for me was it was just love. Like below everything, there was, there was just love and it was to express that love to other people, people who were there, people who were not there, and to really basically appreciate life as it is because it's very fragile. And was that something you were also discovering in your own grief at the time? Uh, um, yeah. I'm yeah. guessing that wasn't a, that was more a resonant uh, answer, not a not a completely unknown answer. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was very, very resonant. Um, I think for me, when I when I started to to transform some of my pain, um, I began to realize that really below below, below everything, and even what my mum said to me when she was in hospice was. You know, I love you. I had a I had an excellent. You know, I had a great time, and really, I want you to carry on, carry on that love other people and treat people well. Now, when I got through my grief and I could see that and step away from my emotions, then I realised that for me, that, that that's all there is is love. And you know, the last thing I think people when they do get to this stage in life or if they're about to pass, they they turn around and especially in the hospice where I was. Some of the words was always "I love you" or "I I love this" or "I love that," and it was back to the simplicity that, that there was only only love. How old were you at the time? Um, at the time, I was twenty-seven, um, so it was two and a half, it was just over two and a half years ago. Um, and yeah, it was it was from cancer. Um, my mum passed, and I spent about three, three about three months probably in hospice. Um, so I was actually witnessing many, many people pass away during the time that I was in hospice with my mom. You were actually staying there, Tom? Um, I would be in, a, 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 as a, what they call here, a daily visitor, but a long-term daily visitor. So I would be in probably about 8 a.m. and leave probably about 6 p.m. Um, in the visiting hours. I was on shifts. Me, it was me and my dad would, would combine shifts. I want to talk more just about what, obviously, you're, to my mind, a... Uh, 
you know, maybe this is based on when my biggest transformation and loss occurred. That was about 18 years ago. You're relatively fresh. And yet you, you came to some decisions about grieving. It seems like pretty quickly, uh, is that because you're a, a searcher in general? What, what was the, uh, you, you know, what was the landscape that invited that kind of change and growth? Um, for me, originally, it was um, I had quite a few losses when I was younger. Um, so my grand used to live with us um, and used to look after us very much. Um, and she lived with us from the day I was born to probably 15 years old. So when she passed away when I was 15. It was almost like a loss of another mother um, because she was always, you know, we lived next, like in the same house. Our rooms were next door. We'd see each other all the time. Now, I, it was a completely different experience then. But ever since that happened, I've always been interested in human behavior, psychology, um, and human potential. So I was always studying, always studying from young. I mean, I wasn't the best student in school, but outside of school, I was always curious to seek wisdom, knowledge, and to understand the human mind. So for me, it was, it almost felt like natural to, to look into this further because I would always see different people having different reactions and just really understanding something is what I, what I strive to, to do. So I was very, very open and very, very curious to, to see what was happening, why it was happening, mm-hmm. and how I, could, how I could better myself or how I could, you know, really, really, just fulfill because my mum's words meant a lot to me to, to, to say go out there and do your best you can that kind of permission can really be powerful can't it oh those messages just continue to ring in my mind uh, things people said to me in their passing that were so powerful and, and um, uh, energizing in a way not immediately but eventually yeah, like you said, it, it kind of sits there. And it, for me, it was almost like that those words were waiting for me when I was ready. Ah. How did you find the people you interviewed? I, I noticed they were pretty diverse in the sense that uh, there were different losses, uh, different times of life, uh, different kinds of relationships, different manners of loss. Uh, how, did, how did you go about deciding who you wanted to talk with more deeply? Um, it was more of a natural process. What happened originally was um, a, a lady I came across, um, Nicola Simpson, whose daughter had passed in, uh, in a car crash. Um, we were just talking. Uh, it was actually online that I met her. And we were just talking on Skype, and that was just really, you know, for me it was shocking to hear the story, and it really was very powerful to hear her journey and from that it was just then she she told me about someone she had come across so it was kind of a natural progression and I was just interested in different people from different walks of life because you know someone from England where I had different experience from someone from America and then obviously the different type of loss they'd had so it was it was kind of like a natural progress and um it it just kind of formulated there was no I wasn't actually very that rigid apart from making sure that it was different people um, with different experiences. That, that sort of, um, you know, it, it sounds familiar in terms of what a lot of guests on the show have talked about and what's, what's true in my own experience, which is that uh, 
when you're grieving, you're kind of feeling your way along the ground. Uh, yeah. you know, it, it's a much less linear place, yes? Sort of getting exposed to something and, and something in you says, go that way, uh, as opposed to a real intentional process like many of us usually would, would engage in. Completely. And it was a very, it was like you say, it's like you're in a dark room and you're putting your hands around just trying to find the next step, you know, the next place. And when you get there, you have a little bit of insight and then you kind of continue. Um, maybe sometimes it's, you know, two, one, two steps back for one step forward, but you, you find your way along. Uh, did, did you have a relatively supportive community? Um uh, you know, to start out with before before your loss, it, we're, we're from a very very small um, small. It's not even a village. It was a very very small area. Um, so the community is pretty supportive, um, but it's very very small. Um, so we had moved around a little bit. So it was kind of my mum and dad had a, a very good solid base of friends who were all over the country. Um, but what I found through grief was you'd have all this support for certain times of the journey, but then as soon as maybe the funeral is over, it's very much, I found in England, it can be very much, you're on your own. Um, and the stiff upper lip in England, you know, as a guy especially, is, you know, suck it up, keep going. That's a very British mentality, you know. But it sounds as if you, you escaped that somewhat. Um, for me, it was... For me, it was about being very, very open with myself. And what I noticed is if I was very open with myself, again, life would bring people who are very open in return. Now, a lot of it was having me going online, um, researching, speaking to people. But I found when I put myself out there, um, it opened up a new world. Um, the thing that I have noticed was, as a guy, p- people willing to speak about grief is, is, is very, very, very small. Um, and... I mean, people my age, uh, guys my age, if I speak to them about grief, if I'm at a dinner table, they, they'll happily take the seat furthest away from me because they might think I'm going to talk about something a bit more than football and beer. And and yet, uh, do you think it was the the loss of your grandmother or the way your family dealt with that that you didn't you didn't shut up? You know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Obviously, you've kept talking. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think my, my sisters um, and my my father they process very differently, and so it's definitely not it's definitely not family. Um, I think it's the, the the black sheep in the family, the one the one the one in the middle we call. So basically, I think it was I I just felt that was how I had to do it for me and how I was going to process it. So I have decided to do that and from studies and just how I've been as a person I feel feel the more open and honest you are with yourself the more it can be beneficial you know that's that's just how my approach has has been and yeah I find it very very for me that approach works and I have to think perhaps you then also influence the conversation around you do you do you think that in some way some of those guys who, you know, head over to the other end are in a way influenced by what you do? Um, I, 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 I think so. I mean, I, I found that I've had 
you know, I've had some um, really, really, you know, heartfelt conversations with people from being like this. Um, and I think naturally, if if you are a certain way, you will attract people either who need to have that conversation or who really, really want to have that conversation. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 mean, I, I guess from my perspective that has happened, but then it might be me thinking more that it has than it has. It's a hope and a wish. Huh? It's a hope and a wish. And I, I, I've had some excellent conversations and, you know, I've had some very emotional conversations with people, but the vulnerability of being open has been worth it for me. Well, you know, one thing that's particular to you, you're not, you're not unique in it, but maybe... Uh, a little unusual is being uh, young. Yeah. Um, so I would have to think at some point, you know, your friends who moved away will have their own losses and might connect that you were someone who was willing to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had, I've had, um, I do get emails from friends um with guys it's been the ones who are most resistant to me friends about the subject in public are the ones that email me in person and and really open up so I have seen the transformation in friends who you know they need they want to be open with somebody but they haven't had the ability they're waiting for the invitation huh Yes, the invitation, and it's the please. Can we keep this between us? Which is, you know, fine for me. Um, and in public, sometimes they're the most vocal, the vocal ones against it. <laughs> That's an interesting uh, combination, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the, res- the resistance. You'd, you'd logically think they just wouldn't say anything, but in fact, they are vocal against it somehow. But then, in private, want to connect. Yeah, it's a very, a very strange, a strange thing. But sometimes, you know, it's it might be the pain, the pain inside is making them vocal, um, and they are trying to deny or trying to hold down, suppress. But behind, they're very, very vulnerable and very open. And so it taught me that you know sometimes if people are very vocal about something, there might be you know it don't 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 intrude. Uh, there might be more to it. There might be more to, and, and that was a lesson for me of non-judgment because I don't know what they've gone through until somebody shares with me. And sometimes I've wanted to say stuff back and I haven't. And about a month later when I had an email, I realized there was much more going on. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a, a, a I, I guess I want to say a real blessing that they would, that they would reach out and that you can see that your failure to, Reply in kind made that possible. Yeah. Huh. It's time for a break. Let's talk more about uh, about that. And I want to hear more about your mother after the break and Perfect. more about that relationship. So, listeners, on my host page, Good Grief at VoiceAmerica.com, you can be in touch with me or with today's guest, Tom Sweetman, or listen to any of my previous guests' interviews. And all of my social media is linked to the page, so you can follow, like, share, connect. Find my guest, Tom Sweetman, at TomLetGo.com. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones. And my guest today is Tom Sweetman, whose book, From Grief to Greatness, offers care and support to those who are grieving through the stories of people who have transcended their deep losses to find themselves transformed. So, Tom, I would like to talk about your mother in particular because um, one thing I know is that uh, I've just lost my mother and, of course, I work in grief, uh, both in my private practice, in everything I do, and, and the show, and I still have to grieve, yeah. and it's very individual. What I'm experiencing about her is, is so much about her and me and our relationship, and so much different than when my wife died. You know, yeah. some familiar themes, but completely different, so I'm very I'm very uh, aware right now of how individual grief is, uh, not just to the person grieving, but to who they lost. So can you tell me some about your mom, you know, in your life with her and uh, in her illness and death? I'd yeah, like to get to know her a bit. Yeah, for my, for my mom, she was um, a very, very um, quiet, humble lady, but very adventurous. Um, she was always traveling. And when she was young, she, I think she, by the time she was 22, she'd been to 25 countries. Um, and this was back in the 70s. So she had really seen a lot. 
um, absorbed a lot and really had many, many lessons to share with people. Um, in the family, she was a hard worker and really, really, really just very, very calm energy. Um, so she took a lot in um, and she would, she would only speak when she felt it was appropriate. So I learned a lot from my mum about, about that. Um, even though I speak more, speak more, she really taught me about you know, listening to other people um, and had a very, very grounded energy. So she was a, you know, a very, very, very warm, warm lady. Um, and f- for me, she, kept, she continued this um, right until her last day. And during hospice and during her chemo, um, she had very, 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 very heavy chemo. But the way that she carried herself through it, um, I'm just forever be impressed and forever be blessed that she was my mom. So it was a, an inspiration. And even through the dark time, she, she, held, she held up. She, you know, she held up. I got a little goosebumps when you were talking about her as an adventurer because uh, you're an adventurer. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a human adventurer, but <laughs> I've lived <laughs> in one place for a long time. You know, I haven't traveled that much. Uh, I I sort of take adventures in the relationship area instead. But you, to me, seem like somebody. You, it seems like you take after her in that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, she she loved people and travel, and and the same is for my father as well. So I I think it's in my DNA, it's in my body, and it, it, for me, it's yeah, human people, human relationships, and travel and culture is just I think yeah, it's part of me, and that's definitely from mum. You know, she we managed to um, we managed to go on a trip together. One thing I wanted to do before she she um, passed away was to take her on a trip. Because we actually um, we had been traveling as a family, but never been um, just me and her. So I mean, it was a bit sneaky. We weren't meant to be traveling because of the because of the um, the cancer. Um, because with the airlines, they you know they don't they not don't want to be responsible, or you are responsible if you travel. So they're, they're quite hard on traveling. But we knew that she she wasn't going to have um, maybe the longest of times. So we went to Iceland, and we you know we we had to say everything's fine, we're happy, um, and we went for three days to try and see the Northern Lights in Iceland before before she it was the one place she wanted to go. So that trip for me was an amazing. You know, me and Mum traveling together, um, talking about life, talking about people, and really enjoying it. So that was a very, very powerful trip for me. And that's no small trip, I would think. <laughs> no, no, it's no small trip. And the, the the hilarious thing was because she's very quiet, and she wouldn't, you know, she would, you'd never gauge sometimes what she was up for. And we we got there, and some guy said, "Do you want to go on snowmobiles?" And she, I said, "Oh, we'll, we'll be okay." And she tapped me on the shoulder and says, if you want to do it, I'll do it. So we were there on snowmobiles in minus 10 degrees across the glaciers in Iceland with her holding on the back. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. And, um, yeah, um, but I, I thought when she was squeezing me, it was to go faster, but it was actually to go slower. Uh, so uh, we had, that was one thing we had to uh, discuss afterwards. <laughs> you didn't quite get the message, huh? Uh, no, but she, she had a grin on her face. And, yeah, like I said, she, even though she was quite ill at that stage, it was an amazing experience, absolutely incredible. And I think for, for our personal individual relationship, we, we did something we loved together and shared that moment. So it was, yeah, it was very lucky. And I, and I for me anyway, uh, 
those kinds of things that, that I've done with people, you know, bef- knowing that they're going to die, yeah. knowing that it's coming pretty soon, they have such power, both while you're doing it and later. Yeah, yeah. completely, absolutely. And another, to, to bring in what you said there as well, was the most connected and powerful times I had with my mum were at the hospice in the the months running up to her passing. Um, I, and I really, if, if anyone is ever going through that situation, just to sit there and be present with that person has more power than you will ever imagine. I mean, sometimes you don't need any words, but for me, I will always remember those few months we had together. Um, for the last month, she couldn't really talk, but we there was holding hand and just a very, very, very connection that I would never ever forget I think that's very uh, vital what you're saying that it's whatever that experience is it's not completely about the words spoken there's there's some other kind of presence if you allow it that is is very uh, tangible yeah And, and for me it was in the hospice at the beginning, I was very um, up and down in my own emotion, and she could see that. And she, and this is a part of where let go came from. Tom let go. She said, "Tom, just let go. You know, you just just allow." And when she said that to me, below all the emotion and all the almost like the ocean, the, the top was all wavy, but below the depth of the ocean, there was just a connection and clarity. And like you said, it wasn't going to be in the way that I expected it. It wasn't going to be in mum in the kitchen, mum running around. It was just us two together. And that connection was was so, so crucial. Because out of all the times together, this is the most powerful. I can't even explain why, but there was something much deeper happening. Hmm. Well, the other thing is I, I I wanted to put a little cautionary note that it sounds as if you're your, your mother was very present with her own process, uh, which allowed that sooner on than sometimes it happens. Uh, I know sometimes yeah. there's a lot of struggle in preparing to die. Um, yeah, she had, um, I mean, by no means she had it easy. Um, the first two months, the first month she was in hospice, um, I witnessed a, a lot of, there was a lot of pain inside her. Um, I could gauge for her, she's very silent, but I could see um, she was fighting it, um, and it was very difficult to talk about, very difficult for me, very difficult for her and her family. Um, and I think when she got to the position where she was able to let it go herself and or even, even be comfortable with where she was, it allowed a space for us, easy, more easier, to join her in that place. Um, and she was almost welcoming us into that space now, I know for other people in the hospice, people were very resistant um, up until the last days. It's very unique, like you said. Every journey is very unique. And she also, uh, I don't know, there's, there's a way that the person who's dying is a, is a bit the leader. Yeah. Uh, so her yeah. saying, Tom, just let go, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, you, you seem like the kind of person who would follow that you know she she gave you a, a, a great gift there yes yeah completely and you know I'm very lucky for her to do that um, because like I said it's, it's very different for everybody um, and 
in that situation, that's yeah, that that really, really, really helped me a lot. Would you say that? Uh, I, I get the impression listening that that you were always uh, close, but I um, wonder if it, yeah. you if it's true, you know. And we were. It was a very interesting relationship. We were always very, very, very. Under, we understood each other um, from how, even without words. This is a the relationship was. We could just be in the same room, and I could find something for her because I knew she needed it. Just very weird little knowings. Um, but on the conversational level, she was, sometimes we weren't that always close on talking. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a very interesting, a very interesting relationship. But she was one. She was a rock. She was always there. She was there for everyone. Always there. So when you needed her, she was there. And if anything, I'm I've kind of fulfilling part of her because people always came to her when they needed to talk to someone. And I kind of see myself as that role now. It almost feels like elements of mum are in me because people do come to me in our family when something they want to talk about. So in that sense, it's a bit of a legacy, huh? Um, definitely, and even with even with how writing this book and people have come to me, it's it, she was like that for her friends, and oh, I see it like a you know the book was honouring her, but it's almost a part of her is living on through me. So I feel that it's that's why I'm up here at five o'clock in the morning <laughs> because <laughs> isn't huh? to me it's it feels like I'm you know it, I do it for mum as an honour to my mum and also for myself to assist other people. So if, if I can help, I wrote the book saying if, I, if one person emails me saying that this book helped them, then it was completely worth it. And we, um, I had that email and many more. So it's, it's, a, it's, it's a blessing. You know, that brings up another thing, which is that um, one of my early guests who's become a friend is writing a book on, uh, I, I can't remember exactly what she's, calling it but it's something like grief and generosity yeah. uh, that there is some way and and that way of talking about it has really stuck with me that there's some way that when you've come through grief uh, you want to give completely there's, completely. there's a natural uh, what can I do to help completely for me it's a sh- it shifted so much and I've, I've completely changed my life in the sense of I'm very clear of people I want to be around, people that I want to help, people. So it's a very much more of a place of, I do every morning my mantra is how can I serve today, you know, and it's just who can I help today, whether it's supporting somebody in the streets or whether it's giving a conversation. Um, and it definitely, I've noticed a very common pattern with people who've experienced grief and that they seem to come from a different place or they're trying to look at life in a new way. Do you think that might also have to do with just having, uh, I might be, uh, you know, thinking of something of my own as if it's yours, but uh, I I just find there's so little to be afraid of. Mm. Uh, So there's nothing really to block in the other person. I don't need to protect myself in the same way maybe I did as a younger person. Does that ring any bells with you? Yeah, for me it's, um, you know, I'm I'm very open now because I'm like, the the experience of losing my mom 
um, is, is, has made me more open and, yeah, less afraid to speak in some cases, less afraid to serve because what's the worst that can happen? That's the kind of, you know, whatever happens, happens. And I realize that we don't, we don't choose. So if, if I, it could be tomorrow that I'm not here, but if I do the best I can now, then I know that I've done my best today. And does that also go in the other direction? Uh, you know, maybe not uh, keeping people in your life at a close level that can't participate in this with you? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's definitely made me. Um, to some people, it could, it could appear selfish, but to me, it's um, if people aren't um, if there's no resonation and the and people are, are not joy, are not in my vision of where I need to go to fulfill and serve more people, then it is almost like a shedding off because if something's holding me back, you know, then I need to, you know, if you can't go down a turning in a car, you don't keep trying to go down the turning in the car that you can't go down. You keep going, you keep going. But sometimes change people, vehicle, huh? <laughs> yeah, you change the vehicle or you, 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 you adjust Whereas sometimes people keep carrying the same things that aren't serving them and the, 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 it brings them down. The, the, you get the damage or you get the, the energy goes. So for me, it's really about keeping clear. And like, I think the more clear you're on your path, the more you can know what is right and what's not right. Well, you know, it's, there's a little bit of a paradox in there, isn't there? That, that it, to more people, you know, you're, you're giving towards more people, but also more particular about who you keep in your life. Yeah. And I, for me, those two do go together, but it can seem like a paradox. Yeah. Because yeah. You're, you're being more meticulous about what you need as well. Exactly. And for me at first, it was like, oh, I felt like I was being selfish because I'm like, you should open to everyone. Now I'm open to everyone, but you know, you have limited time and you need, and for me, it's about, I can serve more people by being more clear with myself, you know, um, and you know, what you expect to accept. So if I expect people, if I accept people around me that aren't, that aren't contributing to me being able to serve more, and I keep expecting that the same cycle is going to happen because I'm allowing for it. Um, and this definitely, uh, grief has taught me, you know, to be much more open, but like you said, much more focused as well. I wonder if it connects to this. I've been, I've been thinking lately about uh, how I, and we'll, we'll talk more about this after the break, but how I learned how to take care of myself through taking care of my wife. Mm. Because mm. if I didn't take care of myself, I couldn't take care of her well. Com- completely, completely. The, the so that, that's familiar to you, huh? Oh, completely. And it's something that grief has a magical... At first, it can get you... I mean, grief will bring you down so that your self-love is completely down at the lowest. I mean, the lowest I've been was after my mum. And but when it got me to that point, it then made me realize that I need to look after myself Mm. because yeah yeah Tom it's time for our second break and listeners you can take the time to email or contact me through my social media I have a Pinterest page with 
most of my guests on it, so you can find them all there with links. And you can uh, you can find all the links at the Good Grief Host page. We'll be back after the break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Tom Sweetman, author of From Grief to Greatness. And uh, before the break, Tom, we were talking about how grief, if you really, if you really uh, support yourself through it or come to support yourself through it, it teaches you a lot about taking care of yourself. And I also sort of heard between the lines, it teaches you a lot about being yourself, offering your best service. Did I, did I hear that correctly? Yeah, for me, that's, that's true. Yeah, for me, that's very, very true. I mean, it's, I've understood more about myself and grief than I did for many, many years or who I thought I was before, you know, and it really, it, it took me on an introspective self-awareness, self-learning. It was a course. I mean, it's a free course that you don't sign up for, but you get signed up for <laughs> and it, it, it's like a roller coaster. Oh, huh? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So let's let's talk about the shape that takes in your life these days. Obviously, I know about the book, and I've read that, uh, and that's a way of sharing your own uh, thoughts on grief and experience of grief, but also a lot of other people kind of getting the word out about other people who are working with grief. But could yeah. you tell me, um, you know, how does your life look? How do, what do you do with that every day? Do you do other things, too, that maybe are impacted by, you know, finding your own true calling? 
yeah, I mean, for me now, it, 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 like I was saying just before, it's about service and it's just looking at, um, I, I like to work only on projects and things that make me feel fulfilled and I believe are going to leave a difference in the world. Um, like I said, I'm in Thailand at the moment and a new, a new project that I'm trying to put together at the moment is, um, is bringing people um, out from, from America or England I'm setting up these uh, retreat, um, and what I'm looking to do is to bring people out from entrepreneurs or people who are very stressed and caught out, um, to bring them into Thailand, to show them local experiences and culture so they can disconnect from what they are used to, connect to something new, and by that learn more about themselves. Um, and part of the percentages of what I'll do is give the money towards local people in the hill tribes. So if they host these people, they can then they'll get money for hosting, which can then mean they're sharing their culture and they're connecting with people, and they'll earn some money from it instead of the mass tourism where you go in, you stay in a hotel that's not exactly like the place you're in. Um, and you have the comforts that you're used to. Um, so this is a project that I'm working on while out here um, with a view to eventually hopefully doing some grief um, retreats out here as well. Um, and that will just be for self-healing for people um, because I found changing your environment is very important if you're going to change your pattern or if you're going to have a new perspective on where you are. And for me on grief... That's definitely true. It needed a new conversation or it needed a new change or something different needed to happen. Well, that sort of fits with what you're saying about yourself too, that that uh, changing geography has been deep in your life too. Yeah. So I, I like the way that part of you has kind of found its way to service. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 over time, this has come up, come come towards me, and you know, human relationships, travel, and you know, helping people turn their pain to potential, and you know, realize some more self awareness. This project that I'm working on will bring all those together in a way that hopefully will give back to the community and also um, raise the self awareness of the people who do come on the trip. So. Uh is that, do you do all grief work now? Um, so at the moment, it's not all grief. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I would say it's probably about 30, 40% um, is to do the work of grief. Um, but I'm looking to, to do more. But what I, what I do in life is I, again, I'm very, I, I follow what I feel is right. And, um, and as long as I feel that I'm, it adds value it improves lives and it's something that I believe is good or it has a cause that is worthwhile, then I will work in it. Um, and then I will, I see my life really as many projects. Um, and so I look, when I look back at the end, it will be a collection of projects that have created service and change. I have a, many books of what I want to do. Um, I many journals of what I want to do and, so I feel like I, I'm always feel like I've got more to do. <laughs> uh-huh. One thing I've noticed in uh, having this incredible uh, opportunity to talk with people about grief every week is that some people changed utterly what they do. Yeah. Uh, completely, you know, no, re- no resemblance to them before. Other people do what they did before quite differently. Uh, you know, and... You're kind of both. 
I'm a, I'm, yeah, I'm, I've, I've got, there's both. I mean, there's, yeah, there's both for me. I mean, yeah, I've, I've had previously was in the music industry quite heavily and that was involving a lot of traveling, tour managing, looking after people. So the elements of travel and people were there. Um, but the industry um, is a very, very, very um, tough industry and not always the most fulfilling. Um, it's, it's, it has its own mixture of um, its own mixture of problems, but it's also a very, you know, very interesting. For my early twenties, it was the best industry ever to be in, um, and I, for a while, I, I couldn't believe that I was getting paid to travel the world and you know, look after artists and musicians. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it's, it, the industry has a lot of problems, you know, a lot of, not psychological problems, but a lot of um, imbalance within within artistry and creativity as well. And so you, you uh, have been doing less of that because it doesn't fit your um, service yeah, orientation enough, huh? Yeah, the, my map of the world has changed, and um, it, it gives me elements um, that I, that I liked, but it was not. It was not. I would not want to think that's all I did. Um, so that's what really shifted after you know the loss of my mum, and um, I still you know, help develop artists and share advice, and I love that development of people. Um, so that I will always do for people because there's passion there, but it's not my main focus, and that will not be. You know, that will not be. Yeah, my my legacy completely. Well, I did notice in the book you had uh, a higher than average percentage of of musicians. <laughs> yeah. So it it you know we always find find ways to work in uh, what we love. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I was, you think the thing that's so paradoxical to me about the music industry is that. Music to me is such a healing form. Yeah. Uh, but the way that it is in the U.S., I don't know about you know Europe as much. Uh, it it tends to lose that impact. Completely. And um, I had a conversation with a Canadian artist, and he said he was an artist. He was he is an artist that loved to produce art. So his his music was his art. And he said, as soon as he entered the music industry, he was not an artist anymore. And he said he had to stop it to become an artist again. And it was very interesting that something that he thought he always wanted was when he actually got into it, he realized he wasn't an artist anymore because he was creating music that was not from him. It was what he needed to create, like a brief or like a, you must make songs like this if you want to be paid like this. Um, and it then changed the course of it. So it was very interesting when he said that to me, um, because you start to lose the essence of why you do something. I think we're maybe also on the edge of talking about uh, risk-taking. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's a sense in which you've always been a risk-taker, it sounds like, but maybe more so since losing your mom? Yeah, I mean, I just... My yeah, I think grief teaches you. Once you use your grief, it can transform a lot of fear. And for me, it's when I have an idea of something. If I I believe that it's going to happen, and I need everyone else to catch up 
with it, meet with me. So I don't feel that, you know, I don't let the fear block me as much now. And probably before I didn't either, but now it's even more so. Um, it's because I believe it's more selfish to just keep it inside you. And I think it was a quote that says, don't die with the music inside of you. You know, um, it, I think it was a Russian, a Russian poet who said that, mm. you know, give, give everything you can, don't die with the music inside. And I live by that because... I need to do that. I want to give, I want to share, I want to bring out what's in me. And I believe that we all have, we all have stuff inside us that is something unique to share with the world. And I believe we can all give that and share that. And it will all be different and it will all be different sizes and scales, and, but it, we all have something we can share. I, I, I think that's such an important message because, uh, you know, what, what I've noticed is that everyone I've talked to this year uh, is ordinary in the best sense of the word. Yeah. But that somehow freeing themselves of, of uh, uh, freeing themselves to follow what calls them has, yeah. has made their lives extraordinary. Exactly, and for me, it's the most simple thing. Simple interactions have become more extraordinary just because I'm I'm more present with myself, and I believe that you know everyone, even if you're going through grief right now, that behind that grief that there's a, there's a better you waiting, and there's a you that can share something magical, absolutely magical with the world, and it might just be transforming one person your neighbor's life or it might be a giving a gift to someone but there's definitely something inside of everyone relating to your family differently or uh yeah you know there's no small thing is there no not at all and uh, even when i was going through my grief and uh, i was thinking well no what could i do for someone in the family it could be making a cup of tea for my dad in the way that he likes it and it, it started on very small steps and it almost gave me the confidence again of like you know, I can help somebody. Even though I was grieving, then my dad was with me. If I could make him raise a little smile, then it would it would be something that I've done to help someone else. Your dad is is uh, part of the story we haven't talked about directly, but it sounds as if the two of you really went through that together. Um, we yeah, me, me and my dad. Um, I'd moved back to um, to live. Um, with my parent or at my family home, um, I was in a position to be able to do that. So we, we, yeah, we we got a stronger connection. Um, he he struggled and he his emotion side he struggles with um, previously probably from not having it from his dad. Um, so there, he has a, a his own way of processing. But just being there um, and him saying you know thank you afterwards. Um, was really really important to me and this has allowed the relationship to be stronger than it was I wouldn't say it's always been the strongest but this situation has allowed us to have a closer bond that we would never have had never have had that Um, and that's something that I can say thank you for the situation for allowing now it's not if this situation happened. This, 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 the knock-on effect of this wouldn't have happened. I'm not saying it's a replacement, but I'm just saying that it's amazing. It's, you're, ju- you're just talking about the facts that, yeah. that things things change in unanticipated ways. Yeah, exactly. And it just and it, 
you can begin to see that even if you're going through grief or loss, you'll notice that when one thing moves away, it changes form, but something else will replace that and give you that in a different form. And that's, that's a beautiful place to end, Tom. Thank you so much for being with me today. We can talk you. all day, I'm sure. Next week, listeners, join me when I'll be talking and singing with Kate Munger. Speaking of, of heartful music, the founder of the original Threshold Choir. Members join in small groups and sing free of charge at the bedsides of people who are dying or in coma or babies, those are in, who are incarcerated. And there's 130 chapters all over the world. Amazing. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.